Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James Cias, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Welcome, ladies and gents, on this beautiful Tuesday, San Diego afternoon. Um, and it is nicer than it was yesterday, still a little overcast, but clear. I just can slightly, see all the slightly. way to the ocean from here, so it's a clear day. That's You can, I can tell. almost always see all the way to the ocean. Except when it's a cloudy day, right? Oh, uh, really foggy. Hernan Cias here, host of the Business Bros Podcast, with my co-host... The Insurance Bro, James Cias, with Pipeline Insurance. And we got a show for you today, as usual. We've always got a show. Who's our guest today? Today, we're excited to have from Keller Williams and the Enriquez Group, Mr. Vinny Enriquez. How's it going, guys? How excited is to be it here. going? Dude, Thank you. It's, it's funny, huh? huh? Like, I, it's really chill. It's really cool. I try not to say nothing before the show, but when the show clicks on, that's it. Now, now you're not going to be Boom. here. Now you can't <laughs> shut me up. Now it's on. All right, <laughs> it's ladies. Full on energy change. Yep, yep. But before we get started, 365 pairs of shoes is what we're looking for. So if you have gently used pair of shoes, you have new shoes you want to donate, you have cash you want to donate, hit up James, 619-884-0045 or james at csfirst.com and hop on his Harley right over there and pick them up. Shout out to uh, Ryan uh, Pereski. Uh, Pesheski. Pesheski. Whoops. Uh-oh. Hit that dismiss right there. That's my alarm, by the way, to uh, post on Instagram. So That's for impressive. those of you, yeah, there you go. That's That, that was proof <laughs> that I set my alarms. It's just uh, we're happy to do a 2 o'clock podcast. Why 2.05 instead of 2 o'clock? I just looked at my metrics on when people are, are on. Oh. And so I picked times based on when they were around. So that's what I picked. And uh, and it, it, like I have another one. It's usually around 12.15-ish. But I set it at 12.45 just because I have to get out of school and eat and stuff like that. No. So I, I, some, some of them are convenient. Some of them are like because that's what the metric says. So I don't know. I just pick. I just figure put contact or put uh, information out there as regular as possible so yeah. i picked four times use some metrics use some when i know that i have time available so it's not like in the middle of dinner and then yep. the wife would get really pissed all the time so <laughs> it's that, yeah it's business. it's business babe it's business she's all i'm gonna give you business <laughs> <laughs> all right That's ladies all right. and gents let's let's hop into this program um Vin- Vinny. Yeah. We- no, no, please. It's, yeah, Vicente <laughs> is my given name, but I go by Vinny. Vinny it is. Cool, Vinny. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell me a little bit prior to this whole real estate gig. So I was born in San Diego, moved around a lot, uh, went to boarding school, and then went to went to high school here, went to college up in the Bay Area, lived overseas, came back, worked in the construction field, and then lived overseas again, and then came back here into construction. Why all the moves? Uh, I think every time you you allow yourself to move, you can see who you really are. So did you? That's actually a really good answer. <laughs> but, Deep, yeah, Deep. It's, but it, it's great insight, right? Like, there's some people who who are attached to home, right? They yeah. have like I know for a fact that I could never move. 
Um, me personally, I'm like a hermit crab. Like I'm once I'm comfortable in an area, I don't, I don't have a need or an ambition to want to go anywhere. The wife on the other hand, she wants to visit places. She just never wants to leave home because family's here. Yeah. Right. So everybody has their reasons why they will or will not move. What was the easiest thing for you to say? You know what? I'm, I'm leaving. Bye. And then again, bye. And then again, bye. Well, I went to boarding school at, in second grade. And so I went to boarding school from second grade to sixth grade. And so at a young age, I knew what it was to just basically be on my own. Well, with my my brother, and so I've always been okay with stepping out of my comfort zone. And one thing I realized is, and this is really getting philosophy, you know, really deep right here. But the idea is that we we all come from a bubble. It could be our community bubble, our family bubble, whatever it might be. But you only get to actually see what's you and what's your bubble once you're actually in a different community or a different bubble. Problems cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. Albert Einstein. That's <laughs> an, <old quote. laughs> an old quote we used to use all the time in, a, in the intro to the show. Because you're absolutely right, though. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter whether it's your own personal bubble, as as in your your dynamic, or whether you're in business and you're trapped. You hit a plateau. Yeah. Like it's not until you step outside and you have maybe somebody else take a look at the same problem or or give you a ride along. You know what what their day in life is when you start to look at things a little bit differently. Well, you're allowed. To, you allow yourself to. To look at the stupidest of idea, it could be it, it, uh, as soon as you hear it, you're like, "This is dumb." But when you can not give any kind of judgment to it and allow it to soak in, then you go, "Okay, well, well, maybe there is some something smart to it. There's maybe some merit somewhere. Mer- merit to it. Yeah. Okay. Let me just take that one piece of merit and change the way I look at this thing that I've been doing for last five years, six years, whatever." Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world, right? Yeah. It's it's the it's the small little. It's like a. Uh, when you're making something to eat and you forget to add the salt. Yeah. Right? Like, you ever make cookies and forget the salt? Like, you think cookies are sweet. Yeah. But salt is needed in order to give the cookie the the offsetting sweet and... It's an enhancer. It's it's the enhancer, right? It's that little piece of ingredient. You forget that little ingredient, all of a sudden it's not a good cookie anymore. Yeah, by itself, you go, this is this be horrible. This would be horrible. But being that it's an enhancer, it actually pushes up the rest of the flavors. Yeah, and that's how I kind of see the the whole little... That little merit, that might have only been a little piece of salt, but... That little grain of salt made all the difference in the world and how you, you know, now now it's fantastic. Now you take a bite and you're like, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't perfected that recipe, but the way you looked at it and the way you described that perfection right there, I want one of those cookies. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I think that's a striving goal that we go to. So yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about college life. You said uh, prior to the show you did a little something different in college. Yeah, so I was... I think everyone, when they're in high school, they think they're the best athlete possible. Oh, yeah, of course. So I went to D3 school, still thinking I was the best athlete possible. Once I realized that my body was taking a pounding for no future gain, (laughs) I I got into the arts. And so I became a business and then mass comm major. And I first started in college radio. And then I built out a, a college TV show that was kind of shut down for a while. And so I built a show. The show was called Whatever, and we did whatever. So I did the backroom editing, and then I was one of the co-hosts of the show. Uh, so we did kind of like pre-taped stuff. It was kind of like jackass, but also just uh, little skits. How long ago was that? Oh, man. It's been, it's been a while. That was, had to be now. Cause it was like 20 right there. So like 15 years ago. Dude, that's that's funny because I'm I'm just thinking about that in in the time span of where we are today, technologically speaking, to where we were back then. Oh yeah, you know, 20 years ago is a big difference. So you might have had the the jackassman, you know, show, but you know, what did you do to market it compared to what you would have done today to market it? Like two different worlds. Like maybe it would have, you know, right now you're saying, well, I had this little college show, but 
Today, little college shows could be worldwide shows. Oh, yeah. At that time, we were looking at trying to get on late night uh, NBC, I think it was. But we we had too much profanity. Mm. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we can cut that down. It was like pulling teeth, too, trying to get the other people on the show. Because I had to show them the editing board mm-hmm. like before the show. Because someone would like, lose. like They wouldn't show up or something like that. And I go, okay, you over there. Come over here. I'm going to show you how to do this. All you got to do is here. When I point to you, you put on this pre-tape video right there, this, this, and this. And so it was like pulling teeth the whole time. So it just... Well, you, you had limitations of like what the FCC would allow you to put on the air yeah. and that sort of stuff. That that when, that like barrier is almost completely gone. You could put pretty much anything oh, if we online. Had, if we had YouTube, like... I don't even know if we had... But I mean, like, to the extent that we have it now, it would have just been a totally different thing. I'm... Yeah, I might still have been in it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, 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 did you, what guided you away from that? What, what did you learn from it? Where did you end up going? So from there, I ended up, I did that for uh, basically two and a half years. And then I studied in um, Czech Republic for a year. And then bartended and played American football out there. And then when I came back, it was just going to be too hard for like the last like semester or whatever to get back into it. And then actually after college, I was planning to move to LA to get into acting. Uh, and it's funny because I'm in the real estate field now that I took it as a sign that we had everything me and my cousin had everything planned to, to move to LA and the last second they told us that our credit wasn't good enough to actually get the to get the, the apartment the apartment and so I took <laughs> it as a sign that okay well that's I'm probably gonna move to LA so I got into um, construction dude so you were you were playing football then yeah yeah what were you what, was, what position were you playing and what was your ambition there uh, well, again, I thought I was better than I was. I was uh, a linebacker in uh, high school and did a little bit of a college, but I kind of just went MIA on that. And then overseas, when I was doing over there, I did uh, basically running back. Like, But it was more of kind of like a pound, like kind of fullback style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running back. Yeah, running to the wall first. And yeah, then, exactly. you know, yeah. maybe you had the ball, maybe you didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're a pretty big dude. Like, you walked down, I was like, oh, shit, this guy's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you, yeah, it's cool. It, I, I can totally understand that. I mean, we all have the dedication, the ambition, we're working out every day, we're eating what we're supposed to, yeah. we're, you know, we're full on dedicated to doing that. Um, and then sometimes reality sits in and you, you realize that you're good, yeah. but damn, some of these people out there, like what, what, well, well, you I know, still, those, some of those guys are machines. Well, I still remember it. So when we're playing in the European league, right? So the European League over there, what they did is they had they only allowed three Americans on the team at one time, and so only two Americans could be on the field at the same time. What some of like the the German teams would do is they would get like people that had um, family heritage of like Germans or or whatnot, and they would get dual citizenship. So then they could be on the field. Yeah. So you would get some like I, I still remember there's this Division one player that he was playing for Texas. He was the inside linebacker, and I got the ball. The, the hole opened up right. I run that hole. He hits me. Oh my gosh, my neck has not hurt that bad for a while. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that's why I didn't play D one. But it's amazing how I mean, I mean, you think you're in good shape, and yeah. then you come across some of these athletes. Oh yeah, and and you know, it's funny because you can parallel that with with business the way it is today. You think you're doing something really well, and then you sit in a room with some titans, some people who've been in the in yeah. business for maybe as many years as if not more than you or they've done and experienced things that you haven't and you sit in the room and you feel like an idiot like you don't know anything even though you're very capable you're very knowledgeable and in in whatever field that you're in you sit in a room with some titans and all of a sudden it's like your neck hurts or your head hurts right because they're hitting you with stuff that you never even thought of well it's it's it really is it's not even like titan it's it's just it's really mindset like 
if you talk to someone, let's say in like the Midwest, right, that has to do just to survive 100 units, right, just to survive 100 units. And here in San Diego, you know, like the average is what, like four, four. deals a, a year, right? But probably surviving, I guess, off the business, you're going to probably have to be like around like 15 to 20, somewhere in there, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're changing your mindset, like from the Midwest, that you have to do 100 units, right? You have to change the way you look at business. Like this guy was telling me how he does an open house. And he's like, okay, so I have myself, I have the buyer's agent, and I have my lender. So we have a streamlined effect. So when the person comes in, if they have interest on it, they sit down with the lender. Then as soon as they sit down with the lender, basically they sit down with the buyer's agent. The buyer He does a buyer's consultation with the person, signs the RPA all right there at the actual open house. And he goes, that's just how you do it. That's how you have to get to 100 units. Well, I mean, doesn't it make sense? The person walking in the door is interested in buying. If they're not pre-qualified, your lender's there to pre-qualify them. If you're if they're actually interested in buying, they're not only gonna have time to see the one place, so your buyer's agent can get them an agreement and maybe even show them a couple houses that same day. You never know; could even potentially write an offer. Oh yeah. So I mean, the person is there because they're either a you know I mean they're they're ready to buy. Yeah. Their neighbor maybe thinking about selling, right? Or they're just looky lose. But yeah. those are three options. Oh, there are three options. And yet the idea is, is that most people look at it. Go, okay, I'm here, like. The, and you of course you know the idea is that most people go i'm gonna do open house like i get new agents like like coach and they'll be like okay i'm doing open house so i'm trying to sell this house right i go technically no you're not like the average home that sells off a whole open house is very minimal very minimal, very yeah. minimal. and so the idea is actually yes you don't want to talk bad about the, the house that you're in but you want to get these people that have interest in basically some kind of real estate transaction and help them find a property that fits their needs and just the ability of changing okay i'm gonna have this buyer's console here, I'm gonna have the lender here, pre-approval, so on and so forth. It's something that most of us don't do because we don't need to do it to what get that 20 deals. Well, what about the pre-marketing that you do for that open house to get people in the door? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're doing door knocking, you're doing cold calling, you know, circle prospecting, you're doing the mailers. Sometimes people do like, you know, they do the taco trucks, whatever it might be outside the box. Think like you did that video right there. I bet you do some some wild stuff, you know, to, <laughs> <laughs> for, Oh, dude, it's it's so, so, yeah. It's so, it's also outside the box thinking. That's what you have to do. Yeah, anything to grab attention is really what it is. So, by the way, ladies and gents, Vinny's talking about the uh, the parody video that that I just uh, I just received from Visionary Media. So I played it because I got it right before our podcast started. So Vinny was actually one of the first people to see it. <laughs> so exciting. Did, did you laugh? Yes, yes. All right. So, so my my biggest thing is always if if I, you laugh, you got to share it. I, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news. You I mean your voice though? Oh yeah, it, it needs a little work. It's not Beyonce. <laughs> it's good though. It's good. I'm telling you, it's good video. No, no, but he's, he's no Beyonce. A hundred percent true. Hundred percent true. <laughs> I realized that uh, this is the second video I did, and the first video I did, I uh, it was the Old Town Road one, yeah. and I, I recorded the whole thing and I played it back. I was like, I sound way better when I'm in the car by myself. <laughs> Over somebody else's beautiful voice. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you just need to come to karaoke more. That's all. Yeah, sure. <laughs> more practice. Uh, no, no, I, don't, no I, I totally agree. But again, it's just in good fun, and it's a matter of, of grabbing the attention, right? And that's well, kind of well, well. Some people are afraid even just to get on camera. Yes. Like, and you're doing a video right there, and you, you're, there's gonna be some people that are are gonna probably make fun of it because they make fun of me when oh, I yeah, do like videos like that. But the reason they're making fun of it is because they don't have the. Balls. balls. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I was like, the cojones, balls. What should I say? Is, <laughs> You're good. To, to, uh, to actually do it, and so it's easier for them to make fun of you than to actually 
to do it themselves. Yeah, but the, even to make fun of it's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. Leave me a comment, make fun of it. It's, it's okay. Yeah. The point is, I have your attention. Yeah. You saw it, right? Yeah. And, and if it interests you, it's gonna be memorable too. It's it's gonna be memorable. You're gonna see it. You're gonna want to share it. You're gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um. Now you know my my you know business bros logo. You know the thought of what I do is is now in your head. Yeah. And that's really really what it comes down to, yeah. right? I mean, we we always talk about this. It's, it's get in front of enough people. Tell them what it is you do. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's the extent of your marketing, whether you're doing an open house, whether you're door knocking, whether you're on the phone, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on video, it doesn't matter. It's all the same type of thing. Yeah. Stay top of mind as best you possibly can. Yeah, I so, totally agree. So, all right. When did you finally decide to get into real estate and why this animal? You were in construction. Well, so I was, mind you, I was in a, a, a laborer. I was doing paperwork. So I, I watched the guys, you know, me and Lane Conkers mm-hmm. like that. I was like, fuck, that's a tough time right there. That's real uh, work. Yeah, that's, that's man's work right there. That, so, uh. So now I was in construction, and then I got an opportunity to work uh, um, in Afghanistan. So I did a year in Afghanistan for construction. Ooh, that's nice tax-free money, <laughs> yeah. except for the huge risk of you know death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, if you don't think about it too much, you're fine. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, but tax-free though. Tax-free though, well, right? Tax-free. Ta- tax-free is like first ninety-eight thousand tax-free. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Oh, it's just so. the first hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, there's man. It, it's funny though. Talk, like some of the people, they would actually do that. So you get like either based off of your contract, you get three months or four months, and then you get like two weeks off mm-hmm. to go wherever you want. They'd fly you wherever you want to go, and then you basically enjoy yourself, and then you go back Come on the back job again. site, right? So some of these people, like you talk to them, they're spending the money they just took on for those three months in the two weeks. in the two weeks, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's man, called but, deployment. It's called deployment. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he did a spend. He did a eight years in the navy, well, almost eight years. Seven. What you have? Exactly. Seven years, seven months, twenty one days. There oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you're in the military. And it's funny because we we've, we've always uh, since we were you know nineteen twenty years old we bought our first house and we've always started our our business education really really started right about that point yeah. and we've always talked about financial responsibility and doing all those things. He joins the navy and. At least we got him to buy a place, right? Yeah. While he was in there using his VA. But for the most part, I was like, so how are you doing? He's like, well, this weekend. <laughs> right? Well, so you, how much you put away? Well. <laughs> but that's the, that's the answer you get from these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it, though. They're out there, like you said. They're out there, you know, whatever it is in yeah. a country that doesn't want them there doing a job that's probably really difficult and hard. Yeah. And they get the two-week break and... They just blow steam. Oh yeah, they, it's man. Hearing some some wild, yeah, yeah, interesting stories. Yeah, there's some wild stories for sure. <laughs> so all right, why? So we won't get into any sea stories here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we we want to keep it like regular rated. I don't know. I mean, R rated, regular rated, not like. <laughs> well, just get me an Adam in here to start telling some stories, and <laughs> it, it'll go off the rails real quick. <laughs> so you decide to. So so obviously that life wasn't for you for too long. Yeah. No. It's. I knew it was the ends to a means kind of thing. And so when I got back here, I knew I was going to get into give it full force into in, uh, real estate. And so I got back into San Diego because I wanted to I wanted to make a home for myself in, in San Diego because I've, I've been lucky enough to travel and live in other countries. But I knew San Diego had the best of everything that I've kind of was able to take on in other places. Yeah, we're 20 minutes from everything. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> the only thing and I always tell people all the time, the only thing that I wish we would have we would have is public transportation. We have, we have hor- with Lyft now, it makes it a lot easier, but it's just so much nicer in Europe. It's like that when you can actually just jump on and then the train, subway, whatever, never have to drive Boom. a car or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I knew I wanted to kind of make a life in San Diego. So I came back here, San Diego, I partied for about a month 
and then just jumped into real estate. So you, you blew it in four weeks instead of two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, you end up going getting your real estate license. Um, what was that like? Did you did you have any experience in it before? Like you just jumped into it, you thought, you know what, I'm gonna get in this thing, real estate. I heard you can make a ton of money. How was your experience? Yeah, so actually when I was in college, I did a uh, internship for Marcus and Lichap, their commercial uh, real estate company. And I did that, yeah, I did that college for a semester. And I was like, I'm not getting into real estate. I'm never getting into real estate. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so. Never say never. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I I didn't have experience with it. My sister and my brother at the time, they had the real estate license. Uh, They weren't really using it to the the extent, but they they had it. And I just knew that was gonna be the the avenue to allow me to to put put whatever I I did into something and get the return out of it. Instead Mm -hmm. of actually being based off the merit of a relationship with a, a boss or whatever it might be. Uh, so I just went full force into it. Yeah, you, you, it's funny because I, I talk to my, I, I teach high school in the morning. Yeah. And so I got kids that are like, hey, um, so I'm going to get a job. It's going to pay me, you know, 15 bucks an hour. Mm. I'm like, cool. So you're worth $15 an hour. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, I'm worth more. But you, you agreed to $15 yeah. an hour. So you literally are saying this is what I'm worth. Yeah. And they kind of look at me like, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm really just trying to drop that little hint in their head. Like, w- you decide what you put into it. You yeah. decide what you get out of it. And if you're agreeing to that, yeah. then, you know, don't complain later on. It's my biggest thing. It's yeah. you agreed to that. Yeah. There's opportunity elsewhere, but it takes a different type of work ethic. If you want to exchange your, you know, your time for money, this is the value that you're setting for yourself. Yeah. And, and you're right. Real estate has a huge upswing. Right, you. I mean, you can really work your butt off and and really do some some great things, but it doesn't come you know cheap when it when I'm talking about time, right? It doesn't come cheap. Well, so there's always some way to you know, I mean to skin the cat, right? Mm-hmm. So there's some people they'll they'll hustle and do the same thing every single day or hustle and do this X Y and Z every single day. And there's other people that think outside the box, like the idea of a, a podcast mm-hmm. is definitely outside the box. You know, idea of of understanding social media, Facebook ads, whatever it might be, is outside the box. So there's a way of of working hard and working smart. And so when you can incorporate those both together, that's when when goals made. Oh, absolutely. Tell me about your social media experience so far. What are you guys doing with it? So it's actually been it's so funny. So <laughs> so when I would see people for like social media, Instagram, those kind of things, I and they're taking pictures of themselves, doing that. I was just like, oh my. I don't want to be the person. Like when I first got into the business, all I wanted was to be have Vinny. That was the extent of it. Like I didn't want my face on anything. I don't want any of that stuff. I was just like, I just don't want that. And it was like actually, you were gonna be a movie star, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it was like it was it was. Uh, I just like I'm I'm all about. I can't stand fake. And there's just so much fakeness out there in this world. And that's how I perceive social media is that people give that that false bravado to their to their platforms. And I was like, I never want to be perceived as fake. I want to be as real as possible. And so when I see that stuff, it was a negative connotation to myself about putting my face out there and doing those things that I go, I was starting to correlate myself to those people that I, I perceived as being fake, mm-hmm. right? And also going to like, as you probably know, going to networking events, you'll meet people there that they'll tell you their truths Right of like I'm crushing this business, but you can look at everyone's numbers and see what they actually do. And so I took that at face value, and then I started looking at people's numbers and going, that person that told me he was blowing up the system, he just did one deal in the last eight months, mm-hmm. you know, or he's done five deals in the last three years, four years, or whatever it might be. 
And so I was just like, oh my gosh, man, everyone's BSing me. Everyone's telling me you mean, they're false truths. But they look clean, right? They, they have look their hair nice. They got a nice oh, yeah. suit on. They drive the nice car. Well, and that's what someone told me. He was like, he goes, when you go to a networking event, usually the person that's dressed the best is probably doing the worst. And the person that's doing the worst is probably doing the best. And so I was like, wow, okay. I, I mean, maybe not to that extent, but it gives you at least an idea that the person just doesn't care. It's probably doing really good for themselves, right? Dude, blew my mind. When, when uh, in 2000, uh, the end of 2005 or somewhere in 2006, our first company that we ever started, yeah. um, it closed it up, right? Yeah. We basically, this is where I learned about filing tax returns. This is where I learned about, you know, commitments to long-term marketing contracts, to leases, all these things that I didn't yeah. know of, you know, yeah. young. And we pretty much closed out this business and, and like broke, right? Yeah. First thing I enrolled in was tax school because I was like, who's Uncle Sam? Why is he taking all my money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I enrolled with H&R Block and I, my intention was to go in, get my tax license, go out and start my own thing. Yeah. But somebody was like, why don't you stay with Block for like a year or two? That way, if you make any mistakes, it's under this umbrella. Yeah. So I got to meet all kinds of new clients there. Yeah. And one of the first things I learned, I had a client that come came in, made like 300 grand. Yeah. And the dude walked in and he's like in jeans, dirty jeans, dirty shirt, like messed up hat, sits down, you know, gives me his paperwork. I think nothing of it until I started looking through his stuff. I'm thinking, holy crap, like the the person sitting in front of me is not what i visualized yeah. as the person who i'm filing their paperwork for right the paperwork says one thing compared to the visual that i see in front of me yeah and that that has always stuck with me after that it's one of those like literally don't judge a book by its cover like you don't know what's behind you know what's in their wallet or what's in their background oh, yeah. just you know and and the ones that did look flash like you said i mean it's totally different yeah so like who was it? I think it was a comedian making a joke about it. But you can usually see the same level of cars in a poor area that you can in a really nice area. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's like one's leased and one's basically owned. Yeah. The Rolls Royce that pulls into the apartment parking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, damn. Okay. That makes sense. So, so it was that. So and then getting like. So I was like, okay, I'm not about that. I'm not about that that life. And then about two and a half years ago, um, I was talked into it. Maybe. Yeah. Like two and a half years ago, two years ago. I was talked into actually having my face on stuff doing social media stuff and so i've been it's been kind of a learning experience of leverage points actually building a team has been something different than just a solo agent because i can i can grind with the best of them like I've, I've lived that life like when i was in afghanistan we we would work seven days a week with friday being a half day and then one day full day off every every month and so i'm like i'm fine with grinding and doing whatever needs to be done to get things done but you can't force people to do this stuff, right? But you doing it is different than other people. Getting other people to buy into that sort of concept. I mean, you can get people to work relatively relatively well for, I'd say, maybe 20, 25 hours a week. Yeah. Like, actual solid work. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, they might sign up for a 40-hour work week. But if you can get 20, 25 solid hours out of them, you're doing good. Well, and you you, you, you can't, you have to, like, you, like from what I, I understand and sort of realizing is you can't push those people to do that. You can you're helping them get to where they want to get to. So they have to have the motivation, the want to actually get there. Mm -hmm. And then you're supporting them on their goal to get there. Yes. But if you start pushing people and saying, 
fuck, what are you doing? Like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not going to work. Well, that's the difference between being a good leader and, yeah. and you know, being a like a drill sergeant. Because yeah. a drill sergeant, they'll get you to to, a, to an end game, but you're gonna never, never going to want to do that again. Yeah. Right? A leader is going to get you to the end game, and you're going to want to wake up the next day and do it over again and do yeah. it over again and do it over again. That's, I think, the, the qualities of a good team. That and making sure that you're running a team that's efficient and actually profitable. Yeah. Because that's a tough thing. Like, I know there are tons of teams out there, and they don't yeah. really talk about this in a brokerage. Yeah. You don't go into a brokerage and talk about, well, you know, what's the bottom line profit margin? Are yeah. you even making a profit? If I take out the team leads production, yeah. is the team profitable? Yeah. Like you have to really look at those sorts of things. Otherwise, you know, why are you building a team if, yeah. if that's the case? Because you're probably better off, like you said, grinding yourself yeah. and getting getting closing deals because you're probably you're probably much more profitable with like a transaction coordinator and admin and you yeah right i mean let's bottom line it right so you can build a good team it's just sometimes you got to really step back and say you know what am i building it for well yeah and that's definitely something that it was something that i always assessed is looking at okay well how do i want how where do i want to be in five years right where do i want to be five years where do i mean 10 years okay am i gonna be able to get there because at as a solo agent or am i gonna get there but if I'm not gonna get there as a sole agent, then how do I get there? And I gotta build a team, I gotta build leverage points, I gotta build, it's either people, it's either systems, whatever it might be. And especially with systems, if you're adding on that extra overhead, right? Most of that stuff is is pretty much a fixed cost. There are some variable costs with it. And having that fixed cost right there by bringing on the people on, it doesn't really affect you. The only variable cost becomes your time putting into them, or if there's extensions of it like Mojo platforms, whatever else you're, you're purchasing off it. But majority of the bigger things are fixed costs. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it, I think the biggest, the biggest cost, the biggest variable cost is your time. Like you're saying, like, okay, do I put it into a prospect or do I put it into training? But even the fixed costs, dude, like right now things are great. Things have been hot. Things are good. Yeah. So taking on some of these fixed costs are, are, are okay. But again, like, over time, like, you know, if, if things change, if the market shifts and all of a sudden agents are like, well, you know what? These four deals, five deals a year, six deals a year, you know, I'm now only closing one or two. Maybe I'm not going to do this very much longer. And, yeah. you know, 80 percent of the agents drop out after two years. So if all of a sudden you start losing agents in your team, the production's not there. Your cost is still fixed. Yeah. Now you have to make it up. Now you're covering the overhead of an offense. You're covering the overhead of you know keeping the lights on. You're covering all this other extra stuff, yeah. and it's coming out of your production. That's that's why I'm saying like, you know, when when you, I'm not knocking teams by any means. I'm just saying you have to really look at it a little oh, bit yeah, different. You, yeah, you have to totally assess it. No, I, I I totally agree with you. I think there's there's some some people that go, okay, I want the team just for notoriety. Exactly, notoriety. And, but reality is, what is no, notoriety is not going to give you a nicer car, a nicer house, basically a warm place to live. You know, it it might make you feel good for a moment. Yeah, but tell but me, in the end, how many people do you know, like in in you know, not even not in our industry, just in in regular corporate America, they take a title almost next to a pay raise, right? Yeah. Like. I, Almost like if you give me a title and don't give me a pay raise, well, you know what? I mean, you know, I'm I'm higher up. I feel a little better. You've you know you've acknowledged me as an individual that I have relevance and I'm important, right? It's our own ego doing that essentially, but that happens over and over well, and over again. And I think that's that's something that many people will fall prey to, even in our industry. Well, yeah, it's uh, and I, and maybe it's changed, but I mean, I don't I don't think it has. Like I, I still remember there was a uh, in college we were talking about that. And we're dissecting the idea. What would someone rather have? Would they rather have a pay raise, or would they rather have basically their a title or their word heard? And majority of people just wanted to be heard, wanted to feel like they were a part mm-hmm. of that that ship. Mm-hmm. 
hundred percent. And I think, you know, earlier you were talking about the, I mean, we come from, I think a very similar generation of, um, age wise anyways, where I didn't have until about July last year when we started the podcast, I didn't, I had a Facebook and I had a Twitter. I didn't have an Instagram. Um, but I, I did it because, you know, I use it like an email. If I was going to get invited to something in the family, it was going to come through a yeah. Facebook invite. You know what I mean? And if, you know, if it, I got a Twitter because somebody said I should get a Twitter and I got it really early, but I never used it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I put it this way. My uh, my Twitter handle, the business one's at Business Bros Pod, but I have a personal one. It's uh, at Great One. So for you to get Great One as a name, right? Yeah. I locked it in pretty early. I think it was like yeah. 2008, I think is when I got my Twitter. So, but I didn't use it. And, yeah. I, and the same thing. I was like, well, no. Nobody needs to know what I'm doing. Why is it important for everybody else to know? But again, it's that the people who are, it was that notoriety. It's, it's you know, I always say the stories is our vanity point. People are literally putting this out there saying, look at me and look at what I'm doing. And they love it when you acknowledge that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I was like, so it's talking about that. Now I have three Instagram accounts, you know, I have the Facebook, I have like Facebook, business pages, all the different stuff, LinkedIn, but it's. It's one of the things you in this in this climate in this where everything's going. That's the way you separate yourself. But let me ask you: your your mind shift your mind shifted a little bit. It's not it's not it wasn't so much. You got over the sense that yeah, you have to put your image out there. But it was more of well, this is how I market myself. Yeah. This is how I generate leads. This is how I put my you know what my product or service is in front of more people. So you you kind of accepted yourself. You kind of like put it in your own head that. To market myself, I would normally shake somebody's hand anyways. Yeah. I would say hello to them. I'd knock on their door. I'm just doing this on a new billboard, yeah. right? Well, no, no, I, 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 and I totally agree. And and one of the things that I looked at was the idea that more and more in the real estate profession, and probably other professions too, we're becoming more of a commodity, mm-hmm. right? So you have to find a way that's going to differentiate yourself, especially as we go farther and farther in the future. If, if you stay in the same kind of race that you're currently in right now, in five years, 10 years, 15 years, what is your value? What's the value you offer? Now, if you have basically this this vision, this tunnel that's solely focused on whatever you say, or and you have a, a big community of people that are staring at this that you have to offer, how powerful that is to say, all right, you know what? Yes, I understand there might be some kind of idea of a commodity here, yet imagine your property or you looking for looking for a property and how many people I can touch to say, hey, who do you know that needs this? Or who mm-hmm. do you know that, that wants that? Exactly. It's an audience of people that know exactly what it is you do. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Well, here, here's the other thing. I like to throw wrenches in what people think, like, yeah. right? So so at at the school I teach, I, I teach in Sweetwater Union School District, right? Yeah. And so they had this whole budget crisis. And there's a lot of teachers like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, you guys do understand that your job is not secure like if 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 facebook and google and all these you know big companies said this is what we need in in a student that graduates if they have these qualifications you know they they can come work for us and some private company came in and said this is what we're offer so that you can do that all of a sudden like you don't have such security so you guys shouldn't you know should be thinking about that i say the same thing in real estate like buyer's agency is on its way out the window that's a commodity thing it's going to get to the point where a buyer's agent is going to have to negotiate like the seller's agent does for their own commission and how are you going to sell that to a buyer that's going to say hey by the way you're going to buy this house and you have to finance an extra ten thousand dollars for my commission are you cool with that like you know all of a sudden it's a different you know what value are you bringing to that client are you worth 
worth the commission that you're doing because right now as a buyer side yeah. it's you know it's pretty much half of whatever the seller side negotiates yeah well with with the redfins with the zillows and all these other people i get emails now saying hey there's this property would you like showing it by the way in fine print right there at the bottom says we don't pay buyers commissions yeah so you know right now it's zero and you know agents might hate it they might argue with it whatever but it's a trend and it's a trend that's working in that direction and if you're not seeing that trend, you could be a casualty of that. You know what yeah. I mean? And and that's, you know, uh, you know, speaking of teams, that's another one of those aspects. I'm like, you have a lot of buyer's agents. What if all of a sudden you can't pay buyer's agents because there's no commission on that side? Yeah. How do you negotiate that? You know, how, what what does that look like for your business model going forward? Yeah. I, I And I think it's, it's one of those things like factoring. Okay. Let's say, I don't know, Purple Bricks or one of those mm-hmm. platforms right there that they're trying or, or redfin right where they're giving back yeah. x amount of commission right i think the, ex, the extent of it when you become a more of a kind of mcdonald's right where you do you show the person this and the other person negotiates it everyone does so on and so forth right <clears throat> there's less of an understanding of what the other hand's doing mm-hmm. right so if let's say the buyer's agent that's educated on the process or educated on what to be aware about aware of the of of looking at the property they have that understanding they have that knowledge base they know how to protect that person like and they're not coming from scarcity hopefully if they at least have enough business like i've heard horror stories where like they'll be like verbally the listing side will tell the buyer side hey this right here i want to know it wasn't permitted or this this wouldn't happen or whatever might be and then they tell the, the they tell the person hey don't worry about it. This no one's gonna get you for whatever it might be, or or just just certain things where it's just like, hey, if you give them the pros and the cons of what what possibly could happen, it, it makes I think it cleaner because you're giving them actually. Well, it gives you it gives them the choice to understand yeah. the situation, right? Yeah. Whether or not, and and that's why for me personally, any type of transaction like that, it's got to be in writing yeah. because that way the buyer or buyer or seller for that matter yeah. acknowledges it's written, it's yeah. you were disclosed, and I have evidence because anytime anytime you deal with something that's verbal, yeah. even though you know we're human, and we tend to be trusting. Once the deal closes. And something happens and all of a sudden we have lawsuits and litigations and all that stuff. Your word word. means nothing. What did you get signed? What was in what was disclosed? What was, you know, initialed? That's that's the you know, I mean, we're in we're in a contract heavy industry. So get everything in writing for, you know, for sure. sure. And I think with like so Keller Williams, they started one. I think some of the other brokerages started it where they actually have lending in house Mm -hmm. and they're taking away any kind of fees if you use their their agent. And so it's gonna it's probably gonna be more over time to to offset the idea that buyers are just gonna get kicked out and not get paid for these bigger companies to say, hey, we're gonna do everything in house. Yeah. So if you're gonna buy one of our properties, you're gonna work with in our people if you wanna save all this money right there. That you know, and, and that that's definitely something that as an industry, right, as a company, they're they're doing to kind of block that sort of situation to to, you know, get it get it handled before it becomes a trend because i mean honestly you look in the mls and you look at what you know what the buyer split is it you know used to be three percent then two and a half then two and i'm seeing ones you know what i mean like or flat dollar amounts right and so the it's not that it's trending up or staying level it's trending down well the tough thing is is okay so most people that are looking for property are probably if they're if they're motivated they're probably working with an agent right Mm -hmm. especially if they're first-time buyers right if they're not first-time buyers and they've done it before, okay, that's one demographic, right? But let's say you're talking about first-time buyers. 
if you're an agent that's only doing four or five, six transactions, and you see one property that's giving 1%, another property is giving 2.5%, how are you going to sway that those showings, or how are you going? Are you actually going to show? You know, I agree, but I'll play devil's advocate on the other side. Yeah, I saw it on Zillow. I want to see this house. Yeah, and you're the buyer's agent. What are you going to say? No, right? Well, there, there's definitely ways, and I'm not saying I, I do this, but there's definitely ways of of portraying, convincing, yeah. or portraying a property. Of course, however you want to portray it. Of course, right? Like, so if I'm, you're looking at five properties, right? Because just like no person's the same, right? No property's the same. Mm-hmm. Right, Absolutely. so you have an understanding of what they're looking for, but you're more than likely going to be able to find five properties that are, are fairly similar, similar yes. to that one right there, and relaying the the positive and negatives in one way mm-hmm. is going to get your buyer to take action on one versus the other. I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. I just, I'm, you know, I like to play devil's advocate, and I'm like, we live in an age of information yeah. where the information has been commoditized. It's like, I want to walk through the property. I probably can. Yeah. Sometimes there, there, I have properties where I don't even need an agent. Yeah. I have a specific, you know, type of app that allows me to clock in and, you know, do the key. And it's got virtual cameras to watch everything yeah. I'm doing. I can do the walkthrough myself. And then I'll hit up my agent and do, you know. Well, and those types of technologies yeah. are getting better and better. I, I think, yeah, I think so more so the, the 3D tours. Are going to be a, like where you oh, actually yeah, put sure. you put on the glasses yeah. or whatever, and you actually look in the property. Once that starts becoming like more of the norm, that's going to be huge. No, well then, that's and that's what I'm saying. Like things are trending in a direction where you're right. The agent is being commoditized. Yeah. Um, it's still on the listing side. I think has a lot more power, and that's yeah. why I, when I talk to agents, I tell them all the time, you need to become a listing agent. Yeah. Like hands down, you need to become a listing agent. That's where the power is at. Uh, by all means, continue to work with buyers. But understand that if you want to be in real estate long term, you want to be successful long term, you need to be on the listing side. Well, look, but look at the opposite way too, right? I, I was like, played double yeah, of course. It. And so, but look at the opposite way. If if you're helping someone sell a property, right, more than likely they're going to move out of the area, mm-hmm. right? If they're willing, to, they're looking to buy a property, they're staying in the area at least for some period of time. Mm-hmm. So if you stay in contact with, which most agents don't do, no, they don't. but if you stay in contact with that person. And what is it? Every five to seven years, someone buys or sells mm-hmm. real estate. You stay in contact within five years, you're going to have a, another deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, if it matters where you sit in the business right now, yes, you want to sharpen your tools for the sellers. Yet, it's not too bad to have a buyer so you can basically add to your pipeline later on oh, in life. I, I 100% agree. Um, but it, by the same token... When I have a sign in the yard, I can hold as many open houses as I want with my lender who can pre-qualify and my buyer's agent who can show. So, you know, I think I think yeah. having the listing just controls it because ultimately, ultimately, doesn't matter um, you know, when the deal closes, as long as you were the agent <laughs> when and it closes yeah. is when you get paid, yeah. right? Well, there's, and man, oh my gosh. I, and I don't know if you've seen it. You're starting to see more and more like shady stuff, I think, with listing agents where they're looking for ways to, to double end it. One of my, my team members actually, we were trying to get a hold of the agent. And for like, I think it was like four days or something like that. Just no response, no response. And then finally, yeah, finally, I think we had, we, we finally got a hold of them, but it was, you can definitely read the writing on the wall where they were just trying to find a way to. To close deal on both sides, yeah. They had a deal, they had a, a buyer that they were trying to get trying through to get the, at the get last approval. minute. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, and, and that, to me, that's an ethical thing. That's like, come on, man. Like, you're, you're always should be in the best interest of your client. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to present every offer that, 
comes to the table, right? And you know that's just part of what you do. You don't do that, or you cut corners. I think personally, that's that's an integrity thing, and what, what well, goes around comes around. Karma, right? Well, and, and I think that's why we get a bad name because you got to think that majority of people. If we're talking about like four deals a year, or whatever. I mean, again, four deals a year, you're coming from scarcity. Yes, that's on, true. On on everything you're doing, and so if you're coming from scarcity, it is tough. It is tough. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, dude, that's but yeah, that's a mindset. That's, yeah, yeah, that's no, a no, mindset, hundred percent. Totally yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but you are gonna deal with those types of agents, and that's the one. Those are the ones where like it didn't matter what you did at the listing presentation; they were gonna go with their cousin or with their sister because they have a license, and that person might not be the most qualified individual, but they're the person I know, right? And that's one of the biggest things that, you know, I love about social media marketing, about getting your message out there. It's people are going to work with you if they know, like, and trust you, Yeah. right? And if you're, you know, that's the whole thing about, you know, working your circle of influence and, and making sure your family knows that you're an agent, making sure that your family friends know that you're an agent, making sure that the public knows that you're an agent because that's ultimately where your biggest deals are going to come from and our job is to grow our sphere and stay yeah. in contact with our sphere. And to me, Social media is one of those things that allows me to do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Put out funky videos and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So um, I want you to look at this camera right here, the one where your calendar just showed up. Okay. <laughs> and I want you to let them know, you know, if, if anybody wants to work with you, Vinny, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to, uh, to work with you? I'm not taking on any more people. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. All right, give me a call. Damn. <laughs> give me a call, 858-345-7829. Again, 858-345-7829. Would love to earn your business. Boom. Give him a shot, right? You know what? It's like anything, you know, one of the biggest things I tell a client, I'm like, look, dude, talk to all the different agents, yeah. right? Talk to them. You never know. Look, a house is going to get sold, bought and sold right now. It's a hot market. It almost doesn't really matter. You want to work with somebody who's going to help you all the way through the process, who you get along with, who you you know, you know connect with. And you're not going to know that unless you sit down and talk to them. Well, so one thing that I'll tell people on, not, not necessarily on the listing side because you, you need a time frame, probably at least six months on the listing agreement. But on the buyer broker agreement, if someone's having you sign for a year or in the buyer broker agreement, you know, even sometimes six months, like, they're just trying to lock you in. Like I've done it with with people, right? Where I'll, I'll sign actually a what's my shortest one? Three week, three week buyer broker agreement. So I go, let me prove my worth, or let my team member prove their worth on those three weeks. And if, if we're not doing what we say we do, then hey, no harm, no foul. Three weeks out of your, your time. But people that lock it in for six months a year, yeah, come on, man. Like, what are you gonna be doing? You really want to drag this person along for six months or a year, saying they want to buy something, saying they want to buy something, and they the, and what? You're not helping them. You're not getting them to the closing. Like, I don't understand that. The, the best one I ever heard. It was on the, the listing side. I was calling expireds, and I called the person up. I know it was a cancel, cancel. And I was called the person up, and they had their property in the market for like a, eleven months. And so they got the cancellation on their property, but by signing the cancellation, the person made them sign a document saying that if they sold in the next year and a half, they had to pay a commission off it. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't <laughs> do your like, job. Read the fine print. Yeah, you didn't do your job there, <laughs> uh, Mr. Mrs. Uh, agent. <laughs> That's a long time, dude. Oh, what's How it? frustrated must they've been? Well, because the, the like most people don't look like it's crazy. Most people don't look at the fine print. Or most people don't mm. know what the fine print says right there. But like if they would just looked at it. You know, instead of getting... You could have backed out. Just 
<laughs> so anyways, but yeah, give me a call, 858-345-7829. Don't struggle. Don't sit. Don't let it sit for a year. <laughs> Hit up a professional. A professional. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Vinny, thanks a lot for being on the show, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, who do you think would be a good guest to have on the program? Uh, I think, so there's an artist. So he has, uh, he sells his artwork. I think Karini, Michael Karini. I've had him on my podcast. I'm actually on him the second time later this week. But he has an interesting story where he was like beaten up pretty severely, and that's kind of what his his work is played off of now. Like, like beat, like physically beat. Yeah, physically beat up, and he's in the hospital. And the first thing he he woke up to was this this like picture, and that's like his logo now. Hmm. Crazy dude. Yeah, that sounds like a good story. Yeah, no, he, sure. yeah, he's he's uh, and like it was he was at, I think he was like a couple weeks away from actual being homeless, and he had this uh, famous actor. Uh, reach out to him trying to buy his art and he didn't call the actor back up for like two weeks and then the guy called him back again he goes i want to buy your stuff he got a hole and bought his art and actually helped him build a following base like all his, his the actor's following base started buying his stuff that's crazy dude that is a good story yeah so he, yeah we're I gonna think he, I think to definitely hit him up so we're gonna tag you on the post i mean we're, we shared it with you yeah make sure you tag him and be like hey i think you'd be a good story yeah no definitely i will sweet all right, ladies and gents. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, don't I get to ask you a question? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Dude, what is, nice. whoa, what? Dang, good I know. save. Well, good it's, save. It's, it's, it's new. Oh, it's a new this thing? This is brand yeah, new. You're, you're the first. Oh, the first one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, so they got some pressure on this one. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. No pressure, no pressure. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so were you, you both in the military? No, Not he just was. just me. Okay, you, you were in the military? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, and how long have you been real estate for? Uh, four years. Four years. Well, that was a waste of a question. Yeah, huh? that was. A waste oh wait, that was a question. question. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been flipping properties since about two thousand nine, but licensed for about four years. Okay, so who has better taste, right? If if one person had a property, right, another person had a property, and you had to flip it mm-hmm. with their own separate crews, who would have a cleaner property when everything's said and done? Oh, that's that's easy. That would have been that would have been me. Oh, it would be you. Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, that's I, easy. Oh, man, I was trying to get a little, yeah, yeah, a little well, thing going. No, yeah. Well, it's because it's because uh, I make decisions like uh, like quick. Like that color, that color, that color. And we're pretty basic. Yeah. Right? And he's got to get opinions. <laughs> and he's got to make sure. So you're saying by the time he closed escrow, you'd still not have your property on the market yet? Pretty much, yeah. Probably. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that was easy enough. That was that was pretty easy. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also depends because if I involve the wife, right? She likes to take her time and make her patterns and all this stuff too. But she does a really good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't even show you the backsplash when you go downstairs. Like she she wanted to do this particular backsplash and like she was adamant and like she got it. It took a while for the product to come in and you get see, it all done. You, you see how I did that right there? He's like. She'd take a long job. But she does great. She does great. Mind you, she does great. She knows it too. She knows it too. <laughs> All right, ladies and gents. Right. Now that I'm in trouble. <laughs> <I'm just playing. laughs> 365 pairs of shoes by the end of the year. So if you got a pair of shoes, gently used, brand new, you want to donate cash, 619-884-0045 or james at csfirst.com. And if you have any insurance needs, life insurance, health insurance, commercial, personal, workers' comp, whatever it is, hit up james, 619-884-0045 or james at csfirst.com. And if you want to add insurance into your business, hit us up too. He'll hook you up with all that stuff. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks again, Vinny. Peace. Bye-bye. And I'm out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? 
Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.